Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the field to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, because he has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry, angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never, even, never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill a fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So far the reading. Thank you, Art. We are looking at the uh, story of the prodigal son, thinking especially of the older brother. So the last section, the verses 25 to 32. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we have before us this uh, wonderful parable, and as we have been going through it, we've been been reflecting just on different parts and letting it speak into our hearts and lives. And so this morning, we hear God speaking to us in relation to the older son. Now, you have to recognize in terms of the parable, just to remind you that at the, the beginning of Luke 15, then the, the context in which Jesus tells these parables, Jesus is speaking there um, before a group, and it says uh, in Luke 15, verse 1, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. And so, so there's a, a sense of the people who are right there are identified in the parable. The tax collectors and sinners would be the younger son. They would be those who, who have run away and, and who have 
done things clearly sinful, tax collectors and sinners. And so they are coming back. They are welcomed by Jesus, welcomed by God the Father. But then it says in verse 2, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So there's, there's, a, there's a picture here of, of the feast, the celebration, the welcome of the younger son of the parable in verse 24. And then the Pharisees need to see themselves in the story of the older brother. So, so those who are gathered there need to see themselves in the parable. And so this morning again, you and I, our need, we need to see ourselves in this parable. And to this morning, we focus on the older son and see how we, you and I, are often much like that older son and how God the Father in grace continues to demonstrate and needs to demonstrate his love to us in a real and a real transforming way. So looking at that, uh, I wonder, did you notice the sermon title for today? The sermon title is The Leaving and Return of the Older Son. So we're looking out for the lost son, the leaving and return of the older son. But, but of course the older son didn't leave, didn't have to return. It, it says in, in Luke 15, 29, he says to the father, uh, I have been here all these years. All these years, I haven't gone anywhere. Yet, yet the parable, the parable's getting at the fact that, in fact, the older son has left. He has left and is very distant from the father. It's implied in the parable we are meant to compare the two sons. Both of them left. If you, if you begin to reflect on it that way, you might even, uh, and, and quite understandably, reflect that, yeah, the older son even left before the younger. So the parable is about the younger son who collected everything and left, but... When did the older son leave? The older son left before, was already gone. And maybe in, in his complaining, in his resentful attitude as he was working for the father, as, as he was there with his younger brother on the farm with all of his complaining, that, that that flowed over into the younger son who then left. And so there's already an implication, yeah, was, was the older son happy to be home with the father? Was he happy to be doing the work? No, he wasn't. And he let the younger son know, and the younger son left. And so there is a, a sense of, of yeah, if, if that distant attitude is there, it will drive others away. The second thing, how long was the younger uh, brother gone, if you compare the two? How long does it take to squander everything he had? Well, a few months, a few years. Jesus' story of the older brother implies that he'd been gone even longer. 
he'd been gone for an even longer time. He's been bitter and resentful to the f- toward his father for many, many years. Again, verse 29. All these years I've been slaving for you. He's not been home resting in the love of the father. He's been far away in anger and resentment and bitterness for a long time. And the third thing, how far did the younger son go? It talks about the younger son that he went to a distant country, far away. Well, the older son went further. It's interesting, the, 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 the words farther, the, you can use the word grammatically, farther is distance, further is, is that, that symbolic distance, emotional distance. And the older son went further than the younger son went farther. There is a great distance between the older son and his father and the sense of where his home is. In his mind, in his heart, in his spirit, he is far away in his own self-righteousness in his resentment towards his younger brother, in his complaining. So the parable as a, a complete unit wants us to compare. And seeing the younger son and then hearing about the older son, we, we have to get the idea too. The older son left sooner. The older son stayed away longer the older son was and still is further away. That's the reality that Jesus is presenting. And we see it also in the fact that as you read the parable, as Art was reading it, he he paused there at verse 24, and then verse 25, meanwhile, the, the parable could have ended at verse 24. The younger son was found. The celebration took place. And so, just like the lost sheep was found, and there was a celebration. The lost coin was found. Huge celebration. The lost son was found. Celebration. So the parallel is there. It should be the end. But Jesus goes on. It's like a fourth parable. A lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost younger son, and a lost older son. So this morning we want to recognize the older son's journey is of equal importance and, and to, to try to understand why he leaves. We need to see the father go out to him and invite him to return. And the reason we need to see that is because we are very often the older son. And that's why Jesus continues with the parable to reach out to people who are in that situation. We might be physically present, but emotionally, spiritually, we can wander far away. And we can become filled with bitterness and resentment and complaining about God, about faith, about the church. And we are far, far from the love, the joy, the peace, the thankfulness that God wants for us. 
We see it right away in Jesus' parable. In verse 25, the older son is not home. He is gone. He is out in the fields, and he is intending to stay out there. He does draw a little closer because he hears the commotion of a celebration. But again, he does not come in. He, he calls a servant over. How far away from the celebration is he? Yeah, he's within hearing it. So he's maybe, yeah, across the building, across the parking lot. He's not coming any closer. And he sees a servant wandering around. Says, hey, you, tell me what's going on. Why doesn't he just go? He can't. He won't. There's no way. There is so much distance between him and the truly loving father. He calls out to one of the servants. He will not come closer. He stays back. Verse 28 reinforces it again with the anger of the elder son when the servant gives him a wonderful, joyful report of, of his brother coming home, of a celebration taking place. All of the all, only thing that the younger, older son can think of is, is, yeah, I've never had anything like that. That's, that's just not fair. That's just not right. I'm just ticked off. And he will not enter into that joy. He will not return. And you notice it again in verse 28 when the father has to go out to him. And it's not a, a long running. It's not a far physical distance, but it's, it's much further. Much further the father has to go to try and reach this older son. The further to touch his spirit again, to reach his heart. And Jesus' parable emphasizes the distance and how the older brother is staying back, confronting us with the sad truth that that can come in our lives too, just distant, just holding back. Well, what is actually going on in the mind and in the heart of the older son? He, he does not share the joy of the father. He doesn't reach out to his brother. This is his brother he hasn't seen for a long time. He looks like such a good son, but inwardly he is more wayward than his younger brother. He, he does his duty. He, he works every day. He fulfilled, he fulfilled his obligation. He did what he was supposed to do. He did what he felt he needed to do. But what did that do? It just filled him with anger and resentment, bitterness toward the kindness that the Father displays now to this obvious sinner. I'm so good. I'm so much better. And that attitude can become part of our lives and become part of churches too. I'm so much better. I'm always better. And so why would anything good happen to anyone else? Because I'm the best. That distance from the true love and care of God. How does that work exactly? Things get twisted around. And we start to see even if the Father... If God the Father is living up to my expectations, boy, then you've got it, then you've got it mixed around. Boy, oh boy. Then you are, are very distant. God is not doing 
what I'm expecting he should do. And then we add the sense that, that our living, uh, our, that we, we are, others aren't living up to our expectation either, those around us. And so that whole sense, that, that feeling that, well, I am, I am perfectly obeying everything, doing everything, and everybody else is out of line, and God himself better just see it my way. And that's the picture that Jesus is trying to get across to the Pharisees who felt that way. They had that pride, they had that way about them, and they carried a heavy burden. They had laws and rules and angry and upset and bitter about things and putting that burden on others as well. When God doesn't do that, when Jesus welcomes tax collectors and sinners, how upsetting that a sinner would actually be welcomed by God. No joy, no happiness, just resentment and bitterness at God and at the person. And so, so that reality can enter in, that we feel and act. We are so good, but it's really a slavery. Verse 29 again, I have been slaving for you all these years. The older brother lost far away, not understanding at all. Do you recognize a little of the older brother in you? It can happen to us as people of faith. It can cause us to wander from the truth of what we are about. We're not a holy huddle. We are not the best and everyone else better not come. We are, we are not that way. To see in us too that God is working, that, that it's not what we are doing but what God has done. And then to see sometimes that others are, are hardly trying and yet they're welcomed. How, how can that be? And to have that, that older son attitude, to, to not be able to receive with joy what God is doing in the hearts of people. Yeah, obviously unworthy, but God is at work. So that reality, that characteristic of the older brother can arise in us. And it, one of the things that that Jesus highlights, uh, the text highlights here when Luke speaks about Jesus telling these parables. He says in, in verse 2 of uh, Luke 15, the Pharisees saw what was going on, uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and it says they muttered. They muttered. Mutter, 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 mutter. What, what is that? The muttering. We would equate it to complaining. The older son, like the, the Pharisees, saw what Jesus did in his ministry and complained about it. Jesus was healing and welcoming, restoring, lifting up people in amazing ways, and they just complained. They couldn't see it. They couldn't accept it. And if we 
start to be characterized by that sense of complaining, then we are, are moving far in the sense of the older brother. Do you tend to complain about things? Maybe in, in a worship service where we're praising God. God is so good. We're seeking to draw close to the Father, to Jesus, but yeah, I really didn't like that song, that, that come wanderer. We don't know it well, and, and yeah, we're trying to, well, that just pretty much ruined the whole service today. Thank you very much. Or, or you're, you're sitting here too, and, and yeah, Anne told a story. Well, she told a story. Well, we just read the story. Why does she tell the story? I mean, it's the same story. What a waste of time. And you start to think, yeah. Yeah, I know better. I, I can do better. We don't need that kind of stuff. And, and everything, everything. Yeah, God, why do you let that happen? At church, why are you guys, you guys are no good. What's all going on? The whole thing can just twist and turn and it all becomes bad. When in fact, God continues to do wonderful things. We want to learn new songs. It's beautiful in a children's message to just share the story with the kids we learn it's good. That's a, a wonderful children's message technique. Receive it. But sometimes, yeah, we just quickly point out where we don't like it, where others slip up, where we focus on how others neglect to do things the way we feel it should be done. And then, and then what happens, too, is that we analyze, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm right in that, yeah. Yeah, that, that was really absolutely no good. And, and then everything is no good. And so from, from something small, it, it just pushes and pushes and pushes us farther. Farther from the truth that, that we serve a loving God. And yeah, we do that imperfectly, but, but the, the focus of what God is doing and continues to do needs to stay at the center. So that reality is... is confronting us in the older brother. The whole celebration is going on. The father's love is on display. It does not reach him at all. So we see in the parable, Jesus adds the older brother here very deliberately because often the older brother is us. And so that sense of, of our being better of earning our salvation, in fact, pushes us farther from the Father than ever before. So what, what happens to the older son, the older brother? The father goes out to him. Beautiful, beautiful. Was he persuaded by the father? Did he enter the home? Did he join the celebration? Did he sit down with the father and brother at the meal? Jesus, in this case, doesn't, doesn't end the parable like the other three. He doesn't. He, he doesn't. The, the other three parables and a huge celebration, the, this, this last parable, this one about, we don't know. We don't know. And we don't get a, a confession from the older brother either. He doesn't say, I was angry and resentful. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And so, yeah, though the sheep was found, the coin was found, the younger son was found, was the older brother found? Now, the actual, the actual telling 
of, of the story of the parable. The, the last word is, uh, he was lost and is found. Verse 32. Definitely, definitely hopeful. Can, can the elder son, though, admit that he's no better than his visibly sinful brother? Our hope is not found. Found? Where's found? Our hope is not found in the older brother. Our hope is found in the Father. And so the hope that we have is always in his great mercy and love to draw also the older son, to draw also us back from critical attitudes and and resentment in that way. The father answers the accusation of the older brother so graciously. Our focus has to move and the, the way the older brother can be welcomed when it says in verse 31, uh, the older brother has, has not received the riches he deserves, the, the robe and the ring and, and the celebration, the father reminds him, the father reminds us just amazing words that Anne also closed the story with, you are always with me and all I have is yours. Wow. Wow. Is that really true? Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. You are always with me, and all I have is yours. I don't have enough. All I have is yours. The riches of my grace, the forgiveness for your sins, has been lavished on you to see that, to appreciate that in ourselves, and to ask forgiveness for complaining and judging and resenting, but to receive. God is at work in amazing ways, in wonderful ways in our own lives and around us, in the church, in this world, that we receive that truth. God's great work. And that's actually the key of the Reformation. If we think back to the Reformation, and just, just, a, just a little historical connection, it's not Halloween on October 31, it's, it's Reformation Day, and... In the Reformation, what did they actually take hold of? There was, there was a movement in the church that you had to earn it. That grace had to be bought and worked for and a long slavish obedience and that was it and you were really never sure and that was what the church was about. It had wandered off and the truth of the Reformation, Luther and Calvin and others, was it's grace. It's grace alone. By faith. What do I have to do? Nothing. You just have to receive it. I'm better than that. I'm better than all these. They're lost and I'm saved by what I do. No. We are all lost and we are all saved by grace alone. And that has to continue to be and is the heart of the Reformed faith. That as we, we take hold of the truth of the Father's lavish love, All I have is yours. That's the grace that we celebrate every Sunday. In the Bible, we do see some Pharisees responding. This is specifically uh, focused on the Pharisees who are speaking, uh, listening to Jesus there. And in uh, John 3, the story of Nicodemus, Nicodemus responds. And he's there right at the cross, taking down Jesus' body. Wow. He receives the grace. 
And in Acts 15, there's a beautiful reference to the believers. They're all together. And it says about them that there are among them uh, some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees stood up. And they still have the sense of the law, absolutely. They still, there is the sense of, yeah, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. There is a a sense of, of, yeah, that's the the history that they come out of. But they come out of it, and if you read on in in Acts 15 too, they're very gracious, very gracious, very welcoming, very receiving. And all the hundreds of laws are... They come with four, four recommendations in terms of how we can receive these people. Beautiful. So there is in the actual working of God in the church uh, a drawing these people of drawing us as well through the Reformation of continuing to draw all of us away from that, that sense of, of having to earn of receiving instead, just in grace, and receiving one another in grace as God's dear children. Let's pray together. Thank you.